Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Franchising and You, a production of Franchise Foundry. My name is Paul Segretto. I'm your host Saturday mornings as we share information and perspective on all aspects of exploring, selecting, and starting a franchise business. Franchising and You is brought to you in part by FranFund, named one of the top franchise funding providers by Entrepreneur Magazine. FranFund crafts insightful funding strategies that help solidify the dreams of franchise ownership while positioning franchisees for long-term success. Learn more at FranFund.com. Today's segment of Franchising You is titled, Importance of Funding Strategies for Multi-Unit Franchise Development. So let's start with an article at score.org about the same topic. Uh, the, The article stated, if you arrange financing for your first unit without considering how that's going to affect your ability to get additional financing, you may find yourself without any options to to fund that second and third unit. And to help us discuss this issue and the practicality and necessity of proper preparation for funding multi-unit development is FranFund Senior Funding Consultant, Shirley Kefkin. Shirley, welcome back to Franchising and You. Thanks so much. It's really great to be back. I appreciate you having me here. Well, I appreciate you sharing your time and your and your expertise. Um, let's just jump right in. I mean, why is it necessary to plan for funding location number two when that might be 12 months away? So the biggest reason for that is when folks secure the right to open multiple territories, it's not because they just want to say that they could open those locations. You know, it's because they truly want to operate multiple locations of a business. And if you only have location one in mind when you're putting together your initial funding strategy, you could really sort of tie your own hands and put yourself in a position where you don't have the financial ability to open location two when the time is right. So with that in mind, if I'm looking to open up, you know, multiple locations with a uh, a franchise and especially an, an emerging brand, why can't funding just be secured for multiple locations all at once and eliminate that worry down the road? So one of the most common funding strategies you see being used in a multi-unit scenario is an SBA loan, a small business loan from a bank to help cover some of the startup costs. And when you look at the SBA loan process from sort of an order of operations perspective, One of the things you find is that although a bank up front will provide a hard approval and they will commit to lending this money to a business, they do not actually disperse any of the loan proceeds until the franchisee has been able to provide the bank with a signed lease for their business location. So if we approached a bank and said, hey, we're planning to open three locations and we would like to secure the funds for all three of these locations in one loan, we'd actually have to get all three of the leases signed for those locations prior to the bank dispersing any money. And for the most part, as I'm sure you're aware, when folks do move forward with multiple units of a franchise, it's oftentimes on a development schedule. You know, so somebody may sign up for the rights to open three locations of a business, but they're not opening them all today. Maybe they open one today, and then in another nine or 12 months, they open location two. And maybe nine or 12 months following that, they think about opening location three. So 
that's the primary reason that including all locations in one loan really doesn't make the most sense because you're probably not signing all of your leases right at the same time. Well, that makes sense. Hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. Is there, um, so when they go to the second location, is the first loan affected or is it a second loan? In other words, do they kind of combine them together? That's a good question. You will actually find that folks will end up having a completely separate SBA loan for the opening of location two. These loans that you get, these SBA loans, are not written as lines of credit. So it really isn't something that after the loan has closed and, you know, maybe you've been making payments for a while, you really cannot go to the bank and ask them to extend the amount of money that you have left on your loan. It is structured a lot more like a mortgage would be. Sure. So when the time is right to open location two, we do actually go through a whole new loan request process. And interestingly, you might find that the bank that writes the loan for location two is different. It's a different bank than who you got the loan for location one through, just kind of based on the lending environment at that point in time and, you know, which banks maybe have more flexibility in one area than another. Got it. Franchising You is also brought to you by the national boutique law firm Spade Eliana. Learn more about Tom Spade and his legal team at www.spadialaw.com. Shirley, we have a question from our audience. Uh, looks like pretty interesting. Rick from San Antonio, Texas, a current multi-unit franchise operator for a popular QSR brand asks, is there a right time to reconsider or to consider refinancing a multi-unit operation of, let's say, three to five units? I would say that when you're opening location three actually may be the right time. Um, one of the things you see out there is that you really cannot refinance out of an SBA loan with another SBA loan. And, again, just sort of based on today's lending environment, although things are a lot better than they were in 2008, banks are still really conservative. And um, what they generally will do whenever you're opening your first or second location of a business is rely very heavily on the guarantee that they get from the federal government when they run this loan through a VA guaranteed program. But once you've operated those locations for a couple of years, you've had experience operating both of them, you will start to find that maybe some non-SBAs, the more conventional lenders, might start to come out of hiding a little bit and could present you with an opportunity to refinance your first couple of loans into the third one. But it's not very likely to see non-SBA financing come into play before location three. That's, uh, that's very interesting. I appreciate it. Uh, Rick, I hope that gives you the answer you're looking for. We appreciate all questions to Franchising and you. Just drop a note to me at paul at franchisefoundry.com. You may do so at any time during the week or even while we're on the air. As time allows, we'll uh, be able to respond on the show, but rest assured, we'll always get you uh, responses to your question. Yeah, Shirley, as we were talking just before the show, I recall Aziz Hashim, uh, former IFA uh, chairperson, mentioned some time back that 70% of tomorrow's franchisees are actually today's franchisees. And, of course, 
That means more multi-unit operators than ever before. So today's topic is, is extremely timely. And with Aziz's statement in mind, why can't franchisees just use the proceeds from one location to open that next location and then from location two to open the next one and so on? That's a really good question. And I think it's actually a very common thought with folks who are considering becoming multi-unit franchisees. You know, I'll get location one up and running. Things are going to go really well. And, you know, hopefully in pretty short order, that business will give me the, the proceeds that I need to open location two. The number one reason that that doesn't traditionally end up being the funding strategy is realistically time. So with most of your multi-unit franchisees, there is a fairly detailed site selection process that needs to happen before they actually identify the right location for their business and start their construction in order to get their doors open. Oftentimes what you'll find is during that search for location one, you now have some feelers out there, you know, maybe there are other uh, real estate agents and brokers in the area who know what you're looking for. And you may actually find that the perfect spot for location two pops up maybe six or nine months after you've opened location one. And the reality is six or nine months of having a business open just isn't necessarily enough time to expect it to provide you with hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit. So you could then use that money to open a second location. So for that reason, so that your hands are not tied and business number one does not have to be profitable in order for you to open your second location, a lot of folks do end up thinking about borrowing for that second one, you know, at least some of the capital that they're going to need so that they can just continue to give that first location the time it needs to grow and mature. Excellent advice. So let's look at, at what, a lot of people think is an ideal circumstance or situation. Okay. I'm a multi, I'm a franchisee. I come in, I have some, you know, good financial wherewithal, and I'm able to fund location one entirely out of pocket, so to speak. Is there a benefit to doing that and then on the second location looking at an SBA loan? You know, there's more of a potential risk than benefit in that scenario. And the reason that I answer your question that way is one of the things we really try to be mindful of when we're helping folks to craft their funding strategy is opening location one in a way that leaves us the flexibility we would need if we wanted a loan for location two. And the, you know, the risk, the potential challenge that you have if you fund location one using all of your own cash resources is that you may not leave yourself with enough liquidity to then go ask a bank for a loan when it's time to open location two. So there are a few things that we just have to sort of, again, be mindful of. One is that when we do come back and approach a bank and request a loan to open location two, they're still not going to lend you 100% of your startup costs. You know, these banks require that the franchisees have some cash in the business, some skin in the game, for lack of a better term. So one of the things that we need to make sure we've done is if we've used cash resources to open location one, we really need to make sure that we left behind enough cash so that if a bank said, 
you know, hey, Mrs. Franchisee, we'd like you to put in 20 to 30% of the initial investment for location two with your own cash. We want to make sure we have the ability to do that. Um, the other bigger requirement that you'll see coming into play is really just being able to help a bank understand what would happen in a worst case scenario. And like I mentioned earlier, banks are just still very, very conservative today. So this does not mean that they expect your business to find itself in the worst case scenario, but they do want to know that if your business might have any trouble consistently making its own loan payment or its own lease payment in the first year, the first 12 months of operation, the bank really wants to see that if you had to, you could personally step in and cover those expenses yourself. So this is another one where we need some combination of maybe liquid assets and outside income. You know, if the franchisee or their spouse is maybe continuing to work, they're operating this as more of a semi-absentee sort of business. We just, again, have to make sure that we've left ourselves with enough of a cushion to show the bank, hey, look, if year one was not going so well, we do have the ability to step in and help out with that loan payment and lease payment. With that in mind, um, is it easier to get a loan for the second and, and future locations? In some ways, I would say that it is because one of the things that you now bring to the table when you're approaching the bank and requesting a loan for location two is you bring some hands-on experience as a franchisee in that industry, you know, with that franchise brand specifically. So that, that kind of, you know, positive experience as a franchisee is always going to be something that's attractive to a bank. I think that a misconception about going and approaching a bank for location two is that they might loosen up on their requirements or, hey, maybe they won't require us to use collateral this time around. And unfortunately, at least in today's environment, that generally just is not the case. Um, so I would almost tell you that obtaining a loan for location one versus obtaining a loan for location two is sort of neutral from a difficulty perspective. Um, mm -hmm. We really just have to sort of come back to the table and meet the same kinds of requirements that we met for location one. You know, as long as we can sort of show the bank that we've maintained a good credit score and a healthy credit history since location one. We need to demonstrate that location one has positive repayment history as well. Um, you know, but then, again, as long as we can put some cash into the business, as long as we can show the bank that, yes, we could help out in a worst-case scenario for location two, then we should still be in really good shape to go get that loan. So we have, as we were promoting uh, today's show uh, yesterday across social media and specifically in LinkedIn, I received an interesting comment from Lance Winslow, and Lance is a very active entrepreneur and former franchisor, so I think his perspective is, um, is going to be quite interesting. I'm going to read his response, or actually his comment, to one of our promotions. Okay. He says, I'm going to check out this information with interest. Why, you ask? Because many master franchises or franchises with area development agreements contain clauses in the agreements for additional units on a pre-agreed upon timeline. Meanwhile, it always takes twice as long and often costs three times as much to get up and running than your original business plan. Things like building permits, licenses, 
inspections, bureaucracy, labor issues. The list of possible delays and additional costs are almost infinite in our free but complex society. Without proper funding set up in advance for development or build out, anything can happen. Increased interest rates, for instance, can put a ringer in the plan. ROI taking longer than expected to build from cash flow is another hugely common challenge. Often franchisors get into trouble too, allowing a master franchise that isn't well-funded to partake in a large territory for development. Be great, pay attention, 2019 looks to be a good year for franchising. Lance, I appreciate your comments. Any thoughts, Shirley, on his comments from your perspective? So I've been involved in the franchising world for almost 19 years now. Um, I spent about 13 years of that time in franchise sales and development roles, and I've just actually reached my six-year anniversary right at the beginning of January here with FranFund. Uh, so I think one of the things that I've had the opportunity to have is a really sort of wide look at lots of different systems, different franchise businesses, different models and operations. And one of the things that I have noticed, even just in my six years here at FranFund, is that I do think franchisors are uh, getting more involved in financing than maybe they were 10 years ago. And I think that when the franchisors were not getting involved in the financing conversation or when the franchisors were not maybe requiring that a franchisee demonstrate not only the desire to open multiple locations, but also the ability to make that happen financially, we did run into some scenarios where, you know, maybe someone had purchased the rights to open 10 units, but they were going to be lucky to get two open just based on their personal financial situation. I have seen a shift there. Um, again, I do think that the franchisors, they really don't want to be in a position where their FDD is full of franchise locations that have been sold but not yet open. You know, so a big sure. priority for the franchisors is really getting these locations up and running, um, you know, and making sure that they're operationally sound enough to handle and support that kind of growth. Um, you know, I think one of his points is that there can be some uncertainty in the startup costs themselves. You may estimate a figure as you're going through your research and investigation up front, but you know, maybe based on the lease that's right for you and your geography, your location ends up being bigger than you thought it would be, which could mean more furniture, fixtures, and equipment, you know, maybe more construction costs. So you definitely have those variables out there. What we always suggest to folks is, when we are going and getting pre-approved, pre-qualified for the SBA loan, let's not approach the bank with the lowest startup cost estimate that we can find in the FDD. Let's approach the bank with the highest startup cost estimate we find in the FDD because then we know we're prepared and our bases are covered because we did not assume that all of our costs would be the lowest they could possibly be. So I think that's one piece of advice that I would have when you are thinking about funding, be conservative with your estimates. Use the higher end of the estimate ranges so you know that your bases would be covered. I think one of his comments was about, you know, rising interest rates potentially having a negative impact. And the, I guess, unfortunate reality, I would say, about SBA loans is that these are variable rate loans. So it doesn't really matter when you close on your loan and when you actually receive the loan money itself. 
if the prime rate changes after you close on that loan, your loan, your interest rate is going to adjust at the following calendar quarter. So while that's not fun, it is a reality. It is something that folks should maybe build into their pro forma, you know, and increase maybe by a quarter of a point in interest rate here or there over time. So I think that's another thing where as long as you're planning for it and as long as you are aware that it's likely your interest rate is going to go up at least some over your 10-year term, then you should still be in a good position. Yeah, I think I think his perspective um, was from the standpoint, let's say you, you develop the first location and you're at one interest rate and you're developing a business plan and you get to the second one and maybe – the interest rates have gone up a percentage point. But, you know, fast forward ahead, you know, five, six years into the development schedule, let's say it is a development schedule of, you know, five or more locations. I mean, the interest rate, you know, can be completely different. And mind you, the other ones are growing uh, incrementally uh, as you're, you know, satisfying the loans on the first ones. But I think it's more from the business plan standpoint. So I want to ask the question, you know, from that perspective, you know, how important uh, is it um, to the franchisee from your perspective to, you know, tweak that business plan, you know, periodically and especially as they're going to um, look for and explore new loan and funding possibilities, uh, especially as now they might have, you know, a year or two more experience than they did prior. Yeah, I think it's definitely important, you know, especially in an environment where these are variable rate loans. It doesn't matter when you got loan one, two, three, or four, they're all going to end up having the same interest rate associated because what you typically see is a prime plus 2.25 or a prime plus 2.75 sort of equation. So, you know, as the prime rate changes, that will impact any SBA loan that a franchisee has. So I do think that that's something that you want to account for, you know, sort of plan for these incremental increases moving forward. But from a business plan perspective, because each loan ends up being separate, you know, we're not going back and obtaining an extension on loan number one to maybe expand that and give us access to more capital because instead each location ends up with its own loan we do actually have to provide the bank with a new business plan as we're opening each location. You know, when as part of our loan request package, we do need to provide them with that business plan. Now, the toughest one to put together is going to be the first one. But mm -hmm. as it comes to maybe putting together that business plan for location two, we can take a lot of the work that we did for location one and maybe update some numbers and some dates, you know, addresses, things like that, but because we've done a lot of that legwork up front on location one, it becomes a little bit more plug and play with location two. The other benefit that the franchisee has at that point is they've been through the opening process now. You know, they've been through site selection and lease negotiation and the planning and the building of the location. So they've really just given themselves an opportunity to remove a lot of the I don't know what I don't know from the equation. And that always sure. helps to make things go a little bit smoother, you know, smoother for location two as well. But there's no doubt that a business plan, an updated business plan, is going to be important every time we approach a bank for a loan. Isn't it, is it advantageous 
and I'm talking about starting from, you know, the day one of, of, a, of a candidate looking at a franchise, and they start mm-hmm. going through this funding process. And, of course, they've spoken with the franchisor about the potential of multi-unit operation or some type of, uh, of development schedule. So is it advantageous to let the bank know you're considering multi-unit operation or even that you're committing to multi-unit operation when you're looking at um, loan number one, or, or really is that just a neutral position? Well, it is going to end up coming out at some point because one of the things that the bank is going to review is your fully executed copy of the franchise agreement. And that is usually where the development itself, uh, the development agreement and development timeframe is sort of addressed. The other thing that you'll find is these lenders become very interested in when your money is being spent and how, you know, just prior to them closing on the loan. So one of the other things they may see is, you know, let's say the franchise disclosure document says the franchise fee is $50,000, but they just saw you wire $150,000 to the franchisor. That's going to be another automatic indication to them that you have moved forward with multiple territories. So it does become part of the discussion right up front. We do want to let them know. So as a point of clarification, um, if because I have seen separate agreements, I've seen a separate franchise agreement, and then there'd be a separate development agreement, and the bank might not see that development agreement because it might not be referenced in the first one. Bill asked, but be that as it. I'm, oh no, God! I'm go sorry ahead. to interrupt. I was just going to say that they will ask for any agreements that you signed with the franchisor. So it's not really okay. something that you you know would want or try to hide from them. Right, and that and that's what I was going to say. So when they see that second agreement, they want a point of clarification on it. So let's say the franchise fee is fifty, and there was a commitment for another fifty on a development agreement. So a hundred thousand dollars has been wired to the franchisor. That second fifty thousand dollars, as it's applicable to future development, is not. And this is where I want clarification, Charlie. Is not considered part of their initial cash injection requirement, whether that be 25 or 30%. That would be separate because it's not actually part of the business and the business loan that's being applied for. Is that correct? You are absolutely correct. What the bank okay. will do is look at everything on a location-by-location basis. So even if you paid the franchise fee for location two up front, because the franchise fee for location two does not specifically benefit location one, it would not be included as part of the cash injection for location one, but you would get credit for it when you came back to get the loan for location two. Right, exactly. It just the, the only time it would apply is if they were opening both locations at the same time, having both franchise agreements and both lease agreements because Otherwise, if they if they were lumped together, otherwise, it wouldn't fund until all of that is in place. You've got it. Yep, you're exactly right. When okay. you go back to the beginning of our conversation about the loans closing based on the leases being signed, you're exactly right. Let's look at, you know, that second location. We're starting to look at the second location. What might a lender demand if maybe the profitability projections in – the first location weren't quite where they needed to be. 
Uh, maybe it's slim. Maybe it's at break even. Or maybe um, it's actually a little bit in the red just because it hasn't been in operation, you know, very long. Mm-hmm. So the banks are not going to require that location one be profitable prior to them writing you a loan for location two. But here's what they get nervous about. If they start to think that maybe location one isn't doing so well, you know, not just that it's breaking even, but maybe it's not quite breaking even. Um, And maybe there's some sort of determination that that's not because of time. Maybe the trends just aren't going the way that we want it to. What the banks will get nervous about is writing you a loan for location two, expecting that that money is being used so that you can ultimately open location two, but then have some of it get funneled over maybe to help location one out of a tough situation. It puts the bank in a position where there is some risk now that location two isn't going to end up with enough money to actually become open and operational. And the bank at that point then has a much lower likelihood of being paid back. So what you find is if maybe simply because of timing, you know, maybe we just haven't given the business a ton of time to break even or become profitable yet. It's not showing the bank, um, you know, a bunch of extra cash reserves each month. That's okay. And that's not going to disqualify someone from getting a loan for location too. But what you will find the bank doing is maybe coming back and relying more heavily on your personal financial situation as the borrower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now what they're going to start to think about is if we address the whole worst case scenario of what happens if the business needs help with its loan payment or lease payment in the first year, can you, Mr. Multi-Unit Franchisee, can you handle that requirement for two franchise locations for a period of time? If either of these locations needed help with their loan payment or lease payment, would you have the ability to cover that personally? And, of course, that would be more complex if it was a second bank, a different bank involved in the second location. It could. It doesn't necessarily have to um, because, you know, they're all going to end up having access to the same records, the same information. If it is a second, a second bank writing the loan for this location, they do have the ability to make sure that there have not been any SBA loan defaults in this person's history. Sure. Um, and you know, they will ask for P&Ls and balance sheets and bank statements, and they'll be able to get a sense for, okay, you know, location one does seem to be making its payments on time. So it, it, it likely wouldn't really hurt if you did have a second, you know, a different bank looking at that second loan. Franchising News, also sponsored by Retail Solutions. The professionals at Retail Solutions help franchisee locate, negotiate for, and lease or purchase the retail space, building sites, or build to suits best suitable for their new business ventures. You can find them on the web, retailsolutionsre.com. Shirley, do banks look maybe with a keener eye at the franchisor? when they're aware of an individual looking at a multi-unit type of development agreement? They do. You know, banks do rely pretty heavily on what they see in the franchise disclosure document. And that's solely in terms of the item seven section that talks about the estimated startup costs for the business. Also, not solely at the item 19 section that talks about 
you know, financial performance within the franchise system. Um, but they are looking at some of those numbers we talked about earlier, you know, sold but maybe not yet open. Um, they are looking at closures within a system. They might even be looking at transfer figures. You know, how common is it for folks to sell their business to someone else and maybe move on to something else? So that FDD is definitely a really valuable tool that banks are utilizing when assessing a loan request. One of the things that we do at FranFund from a service perspective is we provide a loan consultation service. So we help our clients through putting together all of the documentation that's involved in the loan request, you know, shopping the loan with these lending institutions, and ultimately getting through the underwriting process. But one of the things that we have done up front is really taken the time to educate the lenders in our network on the different franchise brands that we work with. So in a lot of situations, our lenders have less discovery that they need to do because they've either already written loans for franchisees of that brand or we provided them with some background information up front so that they already have that familiarity. You know, going back to the whole financial debacle 2008 to 2012, uh, there were many lenders that really weren't <clears throat> as well briefed about franchising and the franchise relationship as it appears to be, you know, today. Are you finding that lenders are spending more time looking at the franchisor and, and again, maybe with a more keener eye than they have in the past and, you know, maybe even well beyond the financial side of it. So I guess the million-dollar question is, are they really reviewing that cover to cover? Not cover to cover, no, because one of the things that the Small Business Administration does from sort of an umbrella perspective is they require all franchisors to go through this SBA directory process. And what that gives the Small Business Administration the ability to do is review the FDDs and the franchise agreements for all of the different franchise companies, different franchise brands out there. And the SBA is not providing a seal of approval that says, yes, this business has the ability to be profitable, or no, this business model is not wise. But what they are looking for is any sort of term in the FBD or the franchise agreement that would go against the regulations that the SBA has in place. So assuming that, you know, the FDD passes muster and the SBA, the Small Business Administration, says, yes, franchisor, you know, here is your SBA number, your brand is eligible for these loans. At that point, the banks themselves know, okay, the SBA as an organization is comfortable with this brand. Now it's my job at the lender level to figure out, are we writing this loan to the right borrower? So the uh, banks themselves, again, they're not going cover to cover because the Small Business Administration has done some of that legwork for them. Um, but, you know, I mean, they'll certainly take a look at things even in the beginning of a franchise disclosure document, um, you know, like bankruptcy history for the company or its principles. Um, you know, so that sort of information they will certainly include in their assessments. So to put a point of clarification, um, a the SBA or a brand has to be on the SBA registry in order for a franchisee 
to secure an SBA loan uh, under that franchise brand, correct? Yes, the franchise brand does have to be listed on the SBA directory in order to be eligible for any of their franchisees to be eligible for an SBA loan. Yeah, I was aware of that, and a lot of people, you know, try to push back, you know, and, oh, you know, I remember getting an SBA loan. Of course, you know, times are changing every year. Things, you know, change a little bit. So um, look for that. Um, It's important. If they're saying they can get an SBA loan, they have to be on the SBA uh, registry. And I know I worked with a – was actually vetting out an emerging brand that was telling people that, that they could get them an SBA loan. And uh, they weren't even on the SBA registry. So buyer, uh, beware. Shirley, I want to thank you uh, so much for helping us again on franchising and you. Uh, It's certainly greatly appreciated. Um, There are so many uh, simple points and so many complex points as we look through the the growing, uh, I think, field of franchise funding and small business funding. Do you have any final advice today for our audience, uh, especially about, you know, multi-unit operators? My final advice would be, even though I think you and I have said a couple times here this morning, we cannot go get a loan for three locations on day one. Even though we know that to be the case, you will still be doing yourself a huge favor if you've at least put together the path for getting there. So you really just want to make sure if you're securing multiple locations, you are confident in your ability to fund them and that you don't just pay your franchise fee and think to yourself, I'll figure out the rest later. You know, you'll be much better served to really have that plan and have that strategy up front. I think that's very sound advice, great advice, really. Thanks again. To learn more about funding your multi-unit operation or any franchise, please visit FranFund at FranFund.com. Thanks again, Shirley. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And as you explore franchising, may I remind you to subscribe to Franchise Dictionary Magazine. You'll find lots of great information that will help you a great deal on your road to franchise ownership. And, of course, that includes my monthly column, Franchising 101. Um, Look for that each month in Franchise Dictionary Magazine. Your subscription is free. Just visit FranchiseDictionaryMagazine.com. And, of course, remember, if you've missed any segment of Franchising in You, they're all available at www.blogtalkradio.com, Franchising in You. That's it for this week. Thank you for including us, Franchising in You, as you explore the wonderful world of franchising, small business, and entrepreneurship. We're excited to be part of your quest for franchise success. As we often say, dream it, wish it, do it. Have a great day.